0: Good morning and welcome to our time in the Word this morning. In his book, First Things First, Stephen Covey writes about Viktor Frankl, an Austrian psychologist who survived the death camps of Nazi Germany. Frankl made a startling discovery with those who survived the the brutal times in that death camp and Uh, he found something that was uh, pervasive throughout most of those who survived. Uh, This is what Covey writes about what Frankel discovered. He said he looked at several factors, health, vitality, family structure, intelligence, survival skills. Finally, he concluded that none of these factors was primarily responsible The single most significant factor, he realized, was a sense of future vision, the impelling conviction of those who were to survive that they had a mission to perform, some important work left to do. Uh, Survivors of POW camps in wars since Vietnam and elsewhere have reported similar experiences, a compelling Future-oriented vision is a primary force that kept so many of them alive. Today, if you have nothing to live for in the future, life can seem hopeless. If there's nothing that you see as future potential, future opportunity, or a reason to get up in the morning every day, Uh, That would be a very, very hopeless existence, but not for the followers of Jesus, because we have something for which to live. Let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian believers. We begin this morning in the book of Philippians. We're still in chapter number 3. In verses 17 through verse 21. Verse 17 begins with, Brethren, join in following my example, a note to those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue things to himself. Let us pray. Father, use this time in your word this morning to teach us, to instruct us, and to provide hope, provide a, a realization that we have something to live for. We have something in the future that will help us to not only survive, but thrive In our present time. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in Paul's letter, it says that he is weeping. Now we ask ourselves, why is that? I believe it's because he wants the Philippians to follow after Christ and use himself, use him as the example but not everyone was following Paul's example. Not everyone was following the example of Jesus Christ in the Philippian church at this time, and we we can't be sure, but it's likely that these verses, verses 18 through 19, describe the Judaizers, those who had come into the church at Philippi and were trying to cause them to revert back to Judaism and the rites and the rituals that went along with that and Paul is writing to professed followers of Jesus Christ and not people outside the church and these these Judaizers these who came into the church and tried to add works to their salvation were in Paul's words enemies of the cross in that they added the law of Moses to the work that uh, they were supposed to be doing. Just as many today are saying that uh, our works are important in that they bring us closer uh, to God in order to be able to, in order for us to be able to be uh, deserving of God's love or deserving of our salvation. And There can be nothing further from the truth. Uh, These Judaizers and their obedience to the Old Testament dietary laws, as we see in verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Their obedience to the dietary laws of the Old Testament Uh, would in effect have made a God out of their belly. Uh, We can look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, in reference to that. Also, their reference to uh, emphasis on circumcision would amount to glorying in that which they ought to be ashamed. Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, uh, talks about that as well. And these Judaizers were not spiritually minded, just like the Apostle Paul in his references in Philippians being spiritually minded. uh, These Judaizers, these people who wanted to add works to salvation, were more earthly minded. They were more concerned about things that uh, we can do and things that uh, would have been uh, prideful things that... Uh, that uh, Paul said, were worthless. Uh, They were holding on to earthly rituals. They were holding on to beliefs that God had uh, given to Israel, and uh, they were opposing the the spiritual blessings, those who were being uh, spiritually minded, and those things that we have in in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, uh, to be Spiritually minded uh, simply means to, to look at earth from heaven's point of view. In our time right now, and uh, many who are uh, getting frustrated with being stuck at home in the midst of this uh, coronavirus, uh, many are wondering uh, how can they go on and how can they continue. Many business people are uh, concerned about if they can keep their business alive. Many people are uh, and have lost their jobs and are experiencing financial burdens right now. Uh, How can we uh, continue? Uh, That is on the the mind of, of so many right now. But if we can look at, and if we're followers of Jesus Christ, and if we can look at our present circumstances with a future-oriented vision. Uh, what are the things we are experiencing now, uh, and and how do they relate to our relationship with Jesus Christ? And when we look at things from a uh, heavenly perspective, uh, how can it help us get through today? Uh, to be spiritually minded, as we said a moment ago, means to look at earth from heaven's Point of view. We can be occupying our mind with the things that are above. Now you say, well, that's easy to say, but that doesn't help me pay the bills. If we consider that we're here and our citizenship, we're going to get into that in a moment, but our citizenship is in heaven if we're a follower of Jesus Christ and we are not to set our mind on earthly things. It means that if we understand that as part of God's family, as part of God's economy, when we trust him for our needs, and we, we also see that in Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, we see that in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, is that if we put our attention on things that are above, these things that we need, housing, food, clothing, all of these things will be taken care of if we put the things of God first in our lives. Because God loves us. Because God loves you. He is going to make sure that you have that which you need. And that is going to be taken care of. Uh, But also on the other hand, (laughs) D.L. Moody used to scold Christians for being so heavenly minded that they were of no earthly good. And I believe that exhortation still needs to be heeded. We can't have our head in the clouds and think that everything is going to be hunky-dory, everything is going to be great, and God will just drop manna from heaven for us. Uh, We need to do our part, like we said in last week's message, that letting go and letting God uh, is is a uh, is a nice sounding bumper sticker, but we need to do what is God's will in our life. Do that which God has called us to do. Do those things which God says are simply wise. But then leave the rest up to God. God will take over. God will take up where we leave off, and our abilities leave off. Uh, and we need to understand that God can take care of us. Uh, As we see here in uh, verse 17, uh, we are follow Paul's example. Walk not as those uh, that uh, he's talking about, the Judaizers, but hold him for a pattern and Paul says, he even says, he says, now I tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, those who put too much emphasis on this world. Uh, He says in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. So let's take a look at why we as followers of Jesus Christ can have a future and how we can have a future-oriented vision first thing that we see is our names are on heaven's record no matter what we're experiencing right here and right now we can know that our future is secure our names are on heaven's record in philippians chapter 4 verse number 3 paul said and i urge you also true companion help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers. And here's the the good news. He says, uh, whose names, those followers of Christ, whose names are in the book of life. These Philippian believers were privileged to be Roman citizens away from Rome. When a baby was born in Philippi, Uh, It was important that its name be registered on the legal records. uh, And also when the lost sinner in Christ, when when we trust Christ as our Savior, we become a citizen of heaven and our name is written in the book of life according to Philippians chapter 4 verse number 3. And we understand that citizenship is important when we travel to another country. It's essential that we have a passport to show our citizenship, show that we belong to a particular country. <laughs> None of us want to suffer the fate of Philip Nolan in the classic tale, Man, The Man Without a Country. Because he cursed his country's name, Nolan was sentenced to live life aboard a ship uh, never again, to see his native land, or even hear the news about what was going on in that country and its progress. For 56 years, he was on an endless journey at sea from one ship to another, and finally buried at sea. Uh, He really was a man without a country. But your name and mine, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, is written in the book of life. And this is what determines our final entrance into heaven. When we confess Christ on earth, he confesses our name in heaven. And our name is written down there in heaven and stands there forever. Dr. Warren Wiersbe tells about his friend in Washington, D.C., who arranged for his oldest son and him to tour the White House. Uh, she told him to be at a certain gate. At a certain time at eight o'clock in the morning, and to be prepared to show evidence of who they were. Dr. Wearsby tells about his son and and him arriving at the gate and the guard politely asking their names. Uh, They told him, uh, they told them to show their credentials. He said, Yes, sir, and uh, Warren Wearsby and uh, his son did so, and they said, thank you, you may enter. They got into the White House because their names were written down on the proper list, and their names got on that list through the intercession of another. So it is with our entrance into heaven, because we've trusted Christ, because our, because our names are there, we will enter into glory because of the intercession of our lord jesus christ that's how we can have a future orientation we have a home prepared for us we have a place that we're headed and we know we're going to get there one day and the second thing uh, we do is uh, we speak heaven's language we speak the language of heaven we see in first john chapter number 4 verses 5 and Uh, 6, but they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Uh, John's talking about those who are outside of the family of God. Paul was talking about these people who had come into the Philippian church trying to uh, get their attention off of Christ and back onto themselves. Paul said they minded earthly things. Uh, John said, uh, they they speak as being from this world, out of this world, and the world understands them, hears them. John says in verse number 6, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. But speaking God's language not only involves what we say, but as well how we say it. The spiritually minded Christian doesn't go around quoting Bible verses all day, uh, but is careful to speak in a way that honors and uh, pleases God. We're told that uh, let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, uh, that we might know how to answer every man. Uh, Now, None of us should should ever say, now take this with a grain of salt, because uh, that involves a certain amount of speculation or potentially even uh, even error, Uh, but we're to put the salt into our uh, speech. Uh, We talk like citizens of heaven, just like someone can probably tell where you're from by the way you talk, your accent, the words that you use. We have a future vision. We are headed towards heaven, and the way we live on planet Earth is we're living like citizens of heaven. The third, the next thing we see is we obey heaven's laws. We obey heaven's laws. The citizens of Philippi were governed by Roman law, not Greek law, even though they lived hundreds of miles away from Rome. Uh, as a matter of fact, this was the the policy that uh, Paul referred to when he said, I'm a citizen of Rome. And what that did was that protected his rights as a Roman citizen. When he was first jailed in uh, Philippi, Paul himself used his Roman citizenship to guarantee his protection under that Roman law. In verse 17, Paul warns the Philippian believers against imitating the wrong kind of citizens. Look back at first verse 17 in chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. Paul said, brethren, join me in following my example, and note those who so walk. He says, for you have us as a pattern. He said, be followers together of me. And of course, Paul was a follower of Christ, uh, so this admonition here wasn't egotistical. Uh, Paul knew that he was an alien here on earth in this world, a pilgrim and a stranger. His, his life was governed by, by heaven's laws, and that's what made him different. But Paul was concerned about others. He wasn't merely concerned about himself. He was interested in giving and not just getting. According to 2 Corinthians, his, his motive was love and not hatred. Uh, by faith, Paul obeyed the word of God, knowing that one day he'd be rewarded for that. Uh, people might persecute him now, but he knew that in the final day of reckoning, uh, that that with Jesus Christ, he would be the winner. Uh, and, and, there, and we're sad to say that uh, there are those today, just like the Judaizers in Paul's day, who would profess to be citizens of heaven, but who live lives that, that don't show it. Maybe they're zealous in their religious activity, but really don't have a relationship with God. Maybe even be uh, very strict in their religious traditions, but there's no evidence that the Holy Spirit uh, is residing with them. All they do is energized by the flesh, and, and they get all of the glory. And then next we see, we are looking for heaven's Lord. We're looking for heaven's Lord. Uh, Verse number 20 and verse 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the saviors. The Judaizers were living in the past tense, trying to get the Philippian believers to go back to Moses, go back to the law. But Paul wanted these Philippian believers to live in the future tense, anticipating the return of their Savior, according to verses 20 and 21. He says in verse 21, Who will transform our lowly bodies, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able, even to subdue all things to himself. Paul was anticipating the return of Jesus Christ for his own in verses 1 through 11 in chapter 3 we see uh, we saw Paul the accountant and he had discovered new values uh, in verses 12 through 16 as the athlete uh, displaying new vigor and now we see Paul as the alien and he experiences here a brand new vision he says we look for the savior it's with anticipation and longing for the coming of Christ that motivates the believer with the spiritual mind. Uh, and there's a tremendous amount of energy in the present power of a future hope. What can get us through today realizing that there's a better tomorrow? What gets us through the uh, the, the sadness and the anxiety of the moment now is a realization that there's a better tomorrow. It may not be Uh, the calendar date tomorrow, but it's knowing that there is a better future coming. And with Jesus Christ, we know that this existence and this experience today won't last. And we have the ability to be controlled by him. And we know that one day there is a better tomorrow. Uh, because Abraham looked for a city, he was content to live in a tent, Hebrews eleven thirteen through verse 16. Because Moses looked for the rewards of heaven, he was willing to forsake the treasures of earth for a time. Because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the agony of the cross. And the fact that Jesus is returning is a powerful motive for dedicated living today, devoted service today, and every man, woman, boy, and girl who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. The citizen of heaven living on earth should never Stay discouraged because he knows that his Lord is coming back one day. And he knows that he gives us the power, the strength, the vigor to live a victorious life today. Keeps on doing his job, uh, lest the Lord return and find us idle and find us not doing his will. Uh, according, to, We see that according to Luke chapter 12, verses 40 through 48 spiritually minded believer, doesn't live for the things of this world. He anticipates the blessings of the world to come. We know that could be tomorrow. That could be next year. We really are not sure. This doesn't mean that we neglect our daily living. This doesn't mean that we stop saving for the future, or stop uh, living in today, or neglect their daily obligations for family and, and other things. but it doesn't mean that, uh, but it does mean that today is governed by what Christ will do in the future. Uh, and, and Paul mentions that we're going to have a glorified body one day. Uh, verse 21, He will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. Today, we live in a body of humiliation. We get sick, and uh, we, we, we make mistakes, and, and we sin. Uh, the, the word humiliation is the word that's translated vile in Philippians 3.21, but when we see Jesus, we'll have a body of glory. It'll happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an I. At that moment, everything in this world will be worthless to us because we are going to have a glorified body living in the presence of Christ and they will be just as they ought to be. If we're living in the future tense, then we'll be exercising the spiritual mind and living for things that really matter. When Jesus returns, he will subdue all things to himself. That word subdue means to arrange in ranks. Uh, isn't that our problem today? Uh, we don't arrange things in their proper order. We put things that uh, that waste away. We put things that that fail us at the top of our value system when in reality only the things that will last for eternity are the things that really and truly matter often our values are twisted uh, consequently we we waste our vigor on uh, useless activities and our vision is clouded uh, and and we're not looking in the future when we're living with eternity's values in view and daring to believe God's promise that whatever we do for God will last uh, we need to be understanding That will provide us and that will help us when we have that future vision. Are we living in the future tense? We talked a few messages ago about not living in the past. Don't let the past hold us back. But also, don't let the present keep you down. Don't let the present keep you anxious or wondering how we're going to survive. Look to the future. Know that God can provide a better tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your provision. Lord, be with us today. Be with us as we live for you as citizens of heaven and that we are aliens in this world. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.